0: Well, Laura Kane, uh, welcome to the journey. And uh, I know it has been well; it's probably been about a year since you have been um, on the journey. Even though you and I have, are spending a whole lot more time together uh, in in the past, uh, especially the past six six plus months, uh, um, Laura, you has had become part of uh, the Shatter Our Silence uh, Board of Directors. And then just most recently, we spent some time together um, as you get the opportunity to bring your program that I'm going to have you talk about uh, out to California, Edwards Air Force Base out in California. But but welcome to The Journey. And for anyone who's uh, new listening to The Journey, um, The Journey is a show that focuses on um, on one part. It focuses on stories of individuals who've had um transformation in their life based upon some kind of setback or or loss or some something that may have happened in their life and then not only what was that thing um, what was that loss and setback but then most important what they learn from it about themselves and then what are they doing with it now and um, and then we also do some reflections so so laura welcome to the journey and um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, you know? Give us kind of a for the new listeners. Give us a little bit of update about your story and um, a little bit of background about that. And then, of course, you know your your children and 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 Zach as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me here, Kevin. And um, so, as Kevin stated, my name is Laura Kane. I am the founder and executive director of a nonprofit organization based out of Rockford, Illinois, called Marshmallow's Hope. Um, And yeah, it's been a year since I was on the journey. Um, We're coming up on the one-year anniversary since I published my book called Lost to Darkness, Enlightened by Grace. Um, And the last time I was here, we talked about that. So that was kind of cool that it's almost coming up on that year. Um, As far as um, who I am, um, I am married to an amazing person, um, who's not only like, he's my biggest cheerleader, but he's the greatest supporter I could have ever asked for. Um, so I'm super blessed um, of, of being able to call myself his wife. Um, together, we have six children in total. He has three. We're like the Brady Bunch. He has three and I have three. Um, so he's got Anthony Haley and Liam. And then my three are Caitlin, Zachary and Lincoln. And so together we're kind of like the Brady Bunch and, you know, it's, it's really neat.
0: Sure. Sure. And, uh, and you guys just, you guys have been together a while, but then just recently in in the past year have gotten married and, and that whole uh, that has been another uh, more uh, solidifying that partnership. Correct.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have been together for eight years now this month Mm -hmm. and we got married last October, um, October during COVID we eloped. So it was kind (laughs) of really cool. Just the two of us. (laughs) Sure.
0: Sure. Nice. And, and, uh, and your, and your, your daughter, she just graduated from high school, correct?
1: She did. And, um, I'm not sure how she's going to feel about me announcing it to the world, but I'm going to be a grandma.
0: Congratulations.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, which, which is a very, even, even when those time periods, when they, when we have those things, uh, occur that they, they may come a little bit earlier than we think, or out of some particular order, um, I think it, it is those things that are still a gift and still a blessing regardless of that.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I I definitely think that, of course, you know, it came as a shock. She's so young. She literally um, just graduated high school, like you said. And now she's jumping right into mommyhood, you know, but she's got an amazing support system. And we just found out it's a little boy. Um, Yeah. So I'm super stoked about it. I can't wait to go shopping and, you know. (laughs)
0: For <laughs> sure, so. absolutely. So, um, and I and I'm I'm trying to remember what exactly what month it was, but I know that it was somewhere, um, somewhere in either late fall, early winter. Um, I had asked you to become part of Shatter Our Silence, and that's the nonprofit that I started as a as a result of um, my son and his classmates, um, uh, you know, struggling through three of their out of a hundred three of their classmates that died via suicide and i know that was how we originally met um when when and i know you're gonna get in the story of zachary but when zach died um he was actually um he was at harlem which was one of the schools that i used to i graduated from and then i used to work there and um that prompted um because they had struggled that that year had struggled with um because i believe that was in 18 right right yeah so, and they had three three individuals um in that calendar year um that died from suicide In um in, in the gabe died in in the in the winter in january i believe right i'm
1: i'm pretty sure yeah i yeah. think it was february February. Actually.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Liam died in the spring and then Zachary died. Um, and, and again, Harlem responded just like Rockford Christian had in in this, in, in a, in a way to try to like students were reeling, staff was reeling, um, what there's always room to do more. And, um, and I know that's how we originally met during that, during that time period. So, so, so tell us a little bit, um, yeah, tell why don't you fill us in, um, a little bit about, um, who Zachary is and, and, and the impact that Zach, uh, had on the people that knew Zach and then what happened from, from the best that you understand it to be. And then kind of what, what you've been doing now.
1: So my son, Zachary was 14. And, um, since I was 10 years old, honestly, like I, I used to be obsessed with the show saved by the bell and Zachary Morris you know he was I was gaga over that kid mm-hmm. and he like since I was 10 I always said I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna have a little boy named Zachary and um if you are familiar with the show he was a lot like Zach Morris like he was that goofball you know very popular with the girls um really handsome um and truly had an amazing heart. Um, he was just, I don't know, he was fun. And um, we laughed a lot. We laughed a lot. He loved music. Um, he was very talented, taught himself how to play the piano. But anyway, unfortunately, September 16th is going to be three years since he took his own life. Um, I'll never know. You know, I'll never, I'll never have that solidified reason as to why things happened the way they did. I mean, unfortunately, our family, we went through a lot. When the kids were younger, we survived domestic violence. Unfortunately, the kids, you know, were victims of abuse. So some of those traumas, I believe, were definitely contributing factors to his decision. Um, And, you know, he was fighting depression um, from everything that I know now definitely fighting depression, but he was, you know, protecting me from it. Mm-hmm. I never knew, you know? And,
0: um, and when you say protecting you from it, um, what can yeah, kind I of go into that a little like, in, in what ways do you think now looking back in it, in what ways do you think uh, Zachary was protecting you from it? And like, how was how he protecting you from it?
1: Well, so I, you know, at the time I was a single mom, um, of, you know, single mom, three kids. And I feel like Zachary just had like this weight on his shoulders. Like, you know, of course he had to be like the man of the house. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it was always, um, he was always the kid that like, he would cook dinner, you know, to try to like, help me take the burden off of me. You know, um, before I got home from work, like he and Kate would cook dinner or like he just, he always tried to be helpful and always try to make sure that I was happy and for whatever reason. Right. Um, but the reason why I say he protected me from his pain is because after he died, um, you know, when, when I spent time with my kid, Kevin, he was always, he was always smiling. He was always the happy kid. Right. Um, but after he died, it was when I truly started to see a kid that was really hurting. And he shared that via social media with his friends. Um, you know, he would have messages with his friends, but he never, he never opened up to me about it. And what was even, you know, what was devastating to me as we talked about everything, my kids and I have always had that type of relationship, but I truly feel that because he was hurting, it says if he didn't want to transfer that pain onto me so he would rather hold it in and not talk about it than say hey mom i'm going through this and i need help you know and it, it, i just feel like that's a common thing i don't know yeah
0: well, and and i know we, you and i've had many conversations about this especially even over especially the last month or two months or so but that silence right that 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 individuals who are struggling in the depression, uh, there's this, there's a silence that comes embarrassment, shame. Maybe I'm thinking I'm going to try to, you know, protect them from, I don't want to burden mom with this, those types of things. And so it wasn't like he was completely silent. It sounds like he was sharing it with his friends, but maybe his friends didn't know what to do with it um, or, or didn't know the impact or how serious it was, um, or to what degree it was. Um, but obviously if he would have been sharing those things with you, that would have been different.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's really common. I mean, as you stated, you know, we've talked about it many, many times and I've learned, you know, prior to this happening to me, I was not educated in this topic at all. Um, so we, or I have learned that, yeah, kids often don't know the seriousness of it. They don't know, um, you know, they they don't know what to do with it. And, and I think that that's what's amazing about Shatter Our Silence. It's incredible that, you know, you are taking the initiative to educate these kids on the do's and don'ts, right? On the, you need to take this seriously, and you need to, you know, encourage them to seek help or reach out to somebody to get them help um because i i mean i think that's an incredibly important mission that you that you have and that you do and i'm i'm grateful for that you know because kids don't know they don't and i think that it's really common to kind of feel like um kind of like the boy who cried wolf you know Mm -hmm. it's as if they just don't take it seriously anymore they hear it all the time from so many kids and so many other peers that to them it's like oh it's just another thing that they say to get attention, and it's not really attention seeking.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think you know, even for us as a as for for myself as an adult, for most adults that I talk to, even even from an aspect of uh, adults that are professionals in the mental health you know world, you know, when someone come when someone's talking to me about uh, death ideation or hopelessness or being being suicidal you know, there's a, there's an energy that comes up and, and I've been trained in this and educated in this. And it wasn't until I even went deeper into that education. that I, I can't ever, I can't say it because it's not true that I don't feel comfortable with it. I, I, I can't say that I feel comfortable because it's, it's like saying to an EMT when someone's coding, um, that they feel comfortable, comfortable with that. I don't think an EMT feels comfortable with that. They know what to do. And they've practiced doing it, but my guess is they don't feel comfortable um, as if it's, well, just a stroll in the park because it's not, it's real. And, and it is a life and death situation. And so, um, so you're right. That's, that's the primary focus of what Shatter Our Silence is, is the the training is, is to help the, the friends of, and the significant others of, and the professionals that work with them what to do when someone when someone comes to you when they're in that darkness. And and so for for you, at, at, you know, and I'm and I'm so sorry that you've had to experience this. And I know, you know, the the ripple effect that this has had on on you and your family. Um but it, but beyond that, that's also you found out that um at, after Zach died, um, you know, obviously being a mom, you started doing your own, you know, uh trying to Put the pieces together, trying to figure things out. Tell us a little bit about what happened um, for you after Zach died. Uh, Specifically with his friends. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, in my darkest time, you know, I would take my kids to school, drop them off, and then I would come home and I was in like my own deepest depression. Right. So, I would lay in bed um, and I would look through Zachary's social media um, and it kind of I feel like it was kind of an obsession to try to get the answers and try to figure out why, right? But when I would go on his social media, I would post motivational messages, messages to encourage kids to not do what Zachary did. Because unfortunately, I feel like suicide can often be romanticized, you know, and I wanted kids to kind of just know for my my son that hey he made a choice he made a mistake but please don't do this you know and so anyways by me posting these motivational messages encouraging these kids to live they started reaching out to me and they started talking to me and just their connection with Zach was so deep you know Um, they could relate to his pain. And that led to them opening up to me about their own pain, their own depression, their own thoughts. And it's kind of like, we helped each other, you know, because they would help me get through my day um, in my deepest pain, you know, by just me talking to them and encouraging them. And I would help them by just being somebody that was there for them to like, listen to them. Um, but then it went even a step further parents of kids who had like attempted or were on the verge of an attempt, you know, they started reaching out. Do you have any idea what I can do? Do you have any resources? Like, who can I contact? How can I help my child? Um, because they started seeing me on social media also posting about it, you know? Um, and so that's how marshmallows hope, which is my nonprofit organization was born. Was just, you know, I started picking up these kids, taking them out to eat, you know, talking to them one-on-one, meeting with parents for coffee, trying to put our minds together as to how we could help their kids. Or, you know, just be somebody that would be like a mentor or somebody that was like an unbiased friend that the kids could have as an additional support to talk to you know, because kids don't really talk to their parents. Again, I feel like it's, they're they're trying to protect the parents from their own pain, just like my Zach, right? And so they feel more comfortable talking to somebody other than mom and dad. They don't want to burden their parents. They don't want to disappoint them. And for whatever reason, their, their pain, their depression, their anxiety, that's how it makes them feel that they're going to be a burden, which is a lie, you know, but-
0: and we, and as you know, we talk about that all the time. That when, when an individual's in in that darkness, that the depression, the anxiety, the trauma, you know, takes on uh, takes on not not a literal voice. I don't mean to suggest that, but takes on this 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 thought process that that distorts truth and and slants things a certain way. And, and it's always toward that negative, right? It's always toward, and and so negative and darkness go hand in hand. And so they, they're like, they're like partners in the aspect. So she won't understand. I don't want her to, she already got too much on her plate already. Um, She won't, she won't, you know, she, she won't listen or, or I'll go and it won't make a difference It'll just make it worse, you know, all those things. And so, so, as so i'm, I'm so I'm, I'm partly curious about this and i don't know if we've even talked about this before but you had mentioned that zach <clears throat> zach had uh, either either directly or encryptically right used used kind of phrases um when he was in the darkness you know before the 16th of september um, he, he was talking to people, posting things or whatever, were those individuals that he was sharing that with or or commenting that, that you saw that were tied to that, were those individuals who reached out to you or were there different friends or different people that, that knew Zach that reached out to you? Was it, or, or was it both?
1: Yeah, it was a mixture of people. So, um, you know, sadly, like when he, when he passed away, there was a lot of guilt, There was a lot of guilt from kids that were aware that he was having these issues, you know, and then um, it became kind of uh, I would try to comfort these kids, you know, like, hey, I don't want you to live with that guilt ever. Like this Mm -hmm. was a decision that my child made. But, you know, yes, learn from this, but don't don't carry that weight it's not your weight to carry, you know? And so it would spiral then into, into deeper conversations, but yeah. And, and then there were random strangers, um, that, you know, from out of state, like different States, different countries. I mean, I'm not kidding you. When I say hundreds of people began to reach out to me, it was literally like, if you look at my Facebook, I think the maximum friends you can have is like 5,000. I literally only had a hundred friends on Facebook before my son died. And that was just my immediate like friends and families, people, you know, people that I physically knew. And after my son died, it was like, it just went into this crazy spiral effect to the point where at some point Facebook was like, you can't accept any more friends, (laughs) you know, which was kind of, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool, but um, I mean it's very cool. I shouldn't say kind of. It's very cool that my son's story has impacted this, you know, this this magnitude, these these many people all around the globe. It's sure, pretty. Sure.
0: Well, it is a it is a am, 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 amazing from that aspect of it and and I know that, you know, yourself and and other individual other moms, you know, uh just that we know, right? Just in our in our immediate, you know, in mm-hmm. the Rockford area. Um you know phyllis and Xavier and different different moms um and and those are just the ones who are are in the in the in the forefront in the eyes of the public you know doing things i know there's a lot of other parents moms and dads behind the scenes doing things and and trying to help out um and in trying to make a difference or just telling their story um or supporting things but um so so tell us a little bit uh well tell us a little bit about marshmallows hope tell us how you got came up with the name and and then uh tell us a little bit about you know what is the what's the what's the mission and the purpose of of marshmallows hope and then what have you guys been doing and then then we'll jump onto the heroes uh program
1: okay um so when you know after working with these kids or, or just hanging out with them, I, you know, I just, I wanted to do something greater. Um, And I kept thinking, okay, how can I raise funds? Cause you know, I was taking them out to eat and I was paying for everything. I was funding everything. Um, And then it got to, I, you know, a larger magnitude and I needed help. Um, And there was a great lack in our community, sadly, where there aren't a lot of programs for kids, especially the teenagers Um, you know, and so anyhow, I started looking into how do I do this? And so the nonprofit came about. um, And when I was trying to think of marketing it, right, I was like, well, if I call it Zachary Foundation, or Zachary Burkholz, you know, like, that's, I feel like there's a bunch of Zachary's in the world. And there's maybe other organizations already that You know, go by by his name, and so I wanted it. I wanted to honor my son in a unique way, and then so I went all the way back to when he was probably around nine or ten, and we were watching this movie with Will Smith, and um, in the movie, Will Smith expressed that his friends called him Mellow Marshmallow, and then he said, "But because I'm soft on the inside." So in the movie, Will Smith was like this this badass right like he was really strong and all this stuff but then he let his like guard down and you could see that he was a really compassionate kid or guy in the and whatever in the character and so anyways somehow that spiraled into me calling Zachary Marshmallow it was actually Jonathan that came up with that nickname for him he was like hey just like Zach you know and so we started calling him Marshmallow and Zach hated it he used to get so mad. Um, you know that's such a dumb name. Don't call me that. But then once he became a teenager, he would laugh about it. You know that's so like that's such a ridiculous name. And he was mm-hmm. I could just hear his laugh every time I think of Marshmallow. Mm-hmm. So that's how we came up with Marshmallow. And then Hope, Hold On, Pain Ends. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's my mission is I want people who are hurting to know that they're not alone that they don't have to suffer in silence that, you know, even though they're feeling hopeless right now in the midst of their darkness, if they can just hold on a little longer, that pain that they currently feel will end, you know, and though it'll become manageable. And so that's why it's called Marshmallow's Hope. Gotcha. But, um, yeah.
0: so in, in, and as, you know, as we've talked many times and, and we've done some, some workshops together, you, you know that, that idea of hold on pain ends is the, is the belief that I have and the belief that, that we have is that it, when a person's in that darkness, because of the depression lying to them, if we can just help them hold on long long enough to build in some time build in some space um, so that that we can you know uh, another day happens or or we get them into the right you know either facility the right medication or the right counsel or the right situation to, to help alleviate some of that pain almost everybody we've worked with doesn't want to die they don't they don't really want to succumb to that darkness it, so we just need to help them. Uh, hold on right in, until that pain is alleviated may not go away completely but but right. it's allevi- alleviated enough so that that they um, can look at doing life differently um, and 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 that life can be different than it currently feels um, when they're in that deepest darkness so I think that's a great um, you know hold on pain pain ends um i think is is a, is a great example unfortunately so we just have to be transparent and honest we don't know how long it's going to take right we don't know how long temporary is we don't know how long it's going to take for that end that pain to get alleviated um but we do know it will it's just don't yeah. we just don't have a have a timeline for it so um so, so with that, um, I know that um, Marshmallows does a handful of different things. Um, you, you provide financial resources for certain things, and then you also then uh, ventured into starting an, an initiative. So tell us a little bit about some of, some of the things that you guys do um, besides just raising awareness. What are some of the things that you actually do?
1: Well, so, um, when, you know, as I mentioned before, I was a single mom and it came down to, um, now, not only did I have my child who was dead, but I also had to come up with the, you know, with the money to figure out if I could bury him or if I would cremate him. And honestly, Kevin, like I had never in a billion years in my entire life thought about having to bury my child. And so, Um, long story short, when it came down to it, um, it was the, the funeral expenses were astronomical, you know, and again, I was a single mom, so I didn't know, I didn't really have a choice. And so part of what Marshmallows does is we, like we, we come in and we assist, you know, parents of kids who have died by suicide, and we want to help incur that cost for them so that they don't have to worry about that. Cause it was just the most awful feeling. So that's part of what we do. We also provide resources. Like we refer kids to KP counseling, um, which we're grateful to have you, by the way, the services cool. that you guys provide for these kids. I mean, so our goal is to, you know, like you state, like you, you're saying be the light in someone's darkness. That's what we want to do is we want to, you know, help rehabilitate these kids who feel that there's no no way out, right? Um, or there's no way to get better, but we refer them to counseling agencies so that they can get better. They can work on bettering their mental health. But the biggest mission um, that was put in my heart was um, to give these kids, my focus had always been the youth. And so I wanted to provide the youth with Again, that additional person that they could feel comfortable or build a relationship with that they could talk to, you know, to have some sort of outlet other than mom and dad or their siblings, somebody outside of the household that number one, that they could look up to, they could open up to. And so we developed, or I came up with this program called HERO Mentors. And HERO stands for help, encourage, reach, and overcome. So the person that we pair them up with, you know, it's just a friend that they're going to go out. They're not trained professionals. They're not counselors. It's just, you know, an unbiased building a relationship mentor that's there for that child. And so that was always like the vision of marshmallows is I wanted to provide this outlet um, because my son had a mentor. And I remember the positivity that that relationship gave Zach in that short period of time that the mentor was in his life. And so the program was kind of modeled after their relationship. Um, and you know, then it just, um, in during COVID, uh, I again, suffered the loss of suicide on a different level. So like through me helping parents of kids who are suicidal or, you know, things like that. Like, unfortunately, I've also come across a lot of moms like myself who are hurting and need that additional support. Right. But somebody else's child dying, even though yes, it hurt me, right. It didn't affect me to the magnitude of a personal friend of mine, losing her child to suicide, because again, I guess it it was that personal connection. Right. And so unfortunately during COVID, when that happened, um, the person this, my friend's son was a military veteran. And at that point it was put in my heart, like, what can I do? You know? And I started looking into like the military, the active duty soldiers, um, suicide rates, and then the veteran rates, and it was like, okay, it's time. What can I do? But even though that was put in my heart back in March during COVID, I still I didn't have like um, an idea of what I could even potentially do, right? So we fast forward to um, this this year. Um, there was an airman in California. Um, he actually happens to be my sister's husband's brother. So my sister's brother-in-law, <laughs> <laughs> um, he reached out to me because, you know, sadly he had lost a comrade or a friend um, at the air base where he stationed to suicide. And he just wanted to be that light for that, that friend's mom, you know, he saw that she was really hurting. And so he calls me up and he says, Hey, I know you wrote a book. Do you think that it would help her? can you please mail her a copy? And so I wrote her a letter and I was like, I just want you to know that you're not alone in this. I know your pain, you know, here's a copy of my book. But then as he and I started to talk, it became so much more than that. And, you know, he started to share with me that they had been impacted by suicide so much in that base that they even had to like shut down operations for an entire day. And And at that point I was, here's my confirmation. I'm not waiting anymore. Like who are the heroes, you know, the military. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, you know, so anyways, I started thinking of our hero program. How could we incorporate the hero program to not only help the youth in our communities, but also servicemen and women and veterans. And so, um, you know, this airman hooked me up with like the higher ups in the military base. And I mean, you were a part of that. We went and we launched the hero program. Um, but the way that we are presenting the hero program to these people um, is, you know, anybody can be a hero mentor. And the reason why we did it that way is because we know that airmen, especially or military personnel, aren't going to reach out for help because of the stigmas that surround mental illness. And so, by us just simply pairing them with, you know, a youth Zao as we call it, a Zachary of the world, they will be given a protective factor. And if you want to explain, because you're the pro, you can totally explain what a you know protective factor is.
0: Sure. Yeah. I. Um, so so when we think of so when we think of an individual, um, when we when we think of someone, uh, we we think of two different two different aspects. The risk factors in a person's life are the things that make them vulnerable or susceptible um, to to, um, going into that darkness and feeling hopeless and, and suicidal. And those, those are the risk factors. And that could be anything that previous trauma, um, current relationship, um, feeling this, uh, feeling stuck, feeling they can't get out of it, um, unsuccessful attempts uh, of, of, of being able to get help um, for, for what either, because resources aren't, uh, don't know where to get resources, financial reasons, or, or just maybe a bad match. Or, or there may be even prior attempts of, of taking their own lives. These are all risk factors that we know m- lead someone to be more uh, susceptible, more vulnerable. The more protective factors is to balance out the risk factors. So a, a protective factor could be, um, it could be a family, a family itself, a family member. It could be um, religious beliefs. It could be uh, the, the, the person's having a pet. Um, or it could be that I am involved with something greater than myself. And that even though I'm in pain and I don't see anything that's ever good gonna come out of my pain, but I have this person who, who needs me. And so, so this idea of, of having these risk factors that even though I don't think I have anything to live for, I know that I can't do this too, or I don't want to leave, I don't want to abandon this person, I don't want to leave this person. And so that combats that lie when someone's in the darkness. And And the more protective factors that a person has, or that we as individuals have, the, the more that we can balance out and hopefully weigh the scales so that we have more, um, more of the protective factors than we have of the risk factors. Does that, does that sound familiar when we talked about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think that's what's amazing about the HERO program, right? So when somebody, because I mean, so these guys, these military guys, the servicemen and women, they don't, you know, they, they aren't going to feel comfortable reaching out but they know that they're getting into the program. They're volunteering to be the mentors for these kids who are already struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations, or have been victims of abuse. Like they're already, you know, they know that they're supposed to be that example. And so my hope is that when they are in that darkness, they think of that child like, hey, they're already having thoughts of suicide. What is it gonna do to them if I take my own life? And that is my hope for this program: is that those thoughts will, you know, provide that, you know, just I don't know that ability to to keep living for both of them.
0: Yeah. And so, at the at the ultimate and at the ultimate <laughs> aspect of it, it's it's to help help the mentee, help help the youth from a standpoint if they happen to be in that hopelessness and darkness, and it's also to help the mentor. But there's so much more that can come out of that relationship. There's so much more that they can experience together that they may not have necessarily um, that they would have experienced if they wouldn't have been part of it. Right. Um, another perspective, someone, someone that doesn't have to care about me, but cares about me. Um, and, in 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 When they go and, you know, uh, maybe maybe the mentee wants to play, you know, you know, some, you know, go, you know, go skydiving or zip lining and the mentor goes, there's no way I'm afraid of heights, but maybe they conquer their own fear. So it's a win win for both both sides i imagine though the airmen probably wouldn't be scared of heights or they would have somehow gotten <laughs> screened out anyways <laughs> so well laura i think you know that's it's a it's a i know it's a it's i know you're stretched right i mean this this idea of you know initially, the, the whole intent and purpose was, was for this to be local, and really, it was a grassroots to do it locally. And then, because as, as we would talk about it, you get a knock on the door, uh, the, 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 the spiritual door, and it led you to half a country away, um, introducing this program. So logistically, obviously, there's, there's challenges in that. But but you know those are those things that we talk about. That when we're doing the right thing, when you're doing the right thing, um, the impossible uh, is possible, right? And so, so I want to uh, I want to kind of as we get ready to wrap wrap our episode up today, I know that you are going to be uh, joining me uh, not only obviously as continue to help me on, on the board of SOS. But um, on the end of this month, on the um, on the thirtieth of September, you are going to be our, our featured speaker, our guest speaker um, at our annual fundraiser. Um, and that and and what Shatter Our Silence is, uh, that does is it goes and um, we're strictly about raising awareness and education. So we don't so we don't do kind of like with you with your group or uh, Teen Group Hope or with Xavier's group um, or some of the things that Phyllis does, we are strictly about awareness and education. We don't do any of the intervention or or pre-intervention aspect of it. So it's just strictly education, but there's times when Uh, times when uh, schools or churches um, may not have, or even organizations may not have the funding um, to have us come out and speak. And so that's really what we raise money for, as well as like this month, we're Doing um, uh, intentionally doing a lot of public service announcements, commercials, and so that costs money to make those videos and and distribute them. And so it's really um, this fundraiser is our primary way of raising funds to support that um, those initiatives of awareness initiatives as well as education initiatives. And you're going to be coming and you'll be our featured speaker at the at the at the annual fundraiser at Labardi Club. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you envision that night going on your part of the night going and um, what could people um, uh, if they if they take the opportunity to come, um, we will we will tape it and so that we will then uh, put it on, you know, put it online afterwards. But if they do have the opportunity to come and be part of that, what what don't give all your secrets away, but what would be some of the things they could expect?
1: Well, delicious food, for one. But no, I mean, I, um, you know, of course, I'm going to share my personal story. um, And I believe that our story is a story of hope. Uh, But more importantly, Kevin, I, I mean, I feel like SOS is the key to prevention. You know what I mean? Even though you don't do the same types of services that we do, I wasn't educated in these topics before it happened to me. Suicide doesn't discriminate. It does happen to, to you. Like it can happen to you. And that's what I really think that people need to come and, and, and listen to, they need to be proactive and, and something like this. Right. And SOS by you educating people. I mean, education is the key to prevention. I preach that all day long, like, ha- you know, if I could ever go back in time um, to before my child passed away, I would have educated myself about the important topics of mental illness and suicide and depression and, and so on and so forth. And so that's why I'm passionate about being a part of SOS. And I'm so honored that you know not only do I get to be a part of it as a board member, but I also get to um now be a part of it. You know, I'm honored that you have asked me to speak. Um, but I just I feel like again, it's a hopeful message. Um, but I think that it'll really give people an insight to how important the mission for Shatter Our Silence truly is. Um so I encourage anybody and everybody to not only come and enjoy the amazing food, you know, come hear our story, but take it even further than that. You know, um, start educating yourselves, educate yourselves about how you can be the light in somebody else's darkness. So
0: perfect. Well, Laura, I'm looking forward, even though I I, even though I have obviously heard your story and what you're doing with it. And what you're doing with marshmallows and, and with the hero program and for the, for the Zachary's of the world, the Zaws of the world. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that evening. As you said, it's going to be an opportunity for, uh, for individuals to come to network, to be able to, um, this will be a group of individuals that are going to come together and, and all will have a shot, shared common interest of, of how how to support and how how to um, be a light in that darkness and so if, if we have a hundred people or 150 people there that day um, I think of like when I used to work security at concerts right if if you just have one lighter you know um, going in the midst of a, a, a big arena uh, okay we can see it but if we have, a hundred of those or 150 of those lights, um, we can, uh, we can actually illuminate in the darkness. And, um, and so that's the invitation. Uh, you have a phenomenal story, what you've learned and what you, how you've evolved through this by listening and being, um, uh, as we would say, being obedient to God's nudging, sometimes pushing, um, or the, or the hard knocks on the door and and you walking through those doors. Um, I've appreciated you being part of, of my journey being here on the show, the journey. Um, but, but more importantly, in the midst of your pain, um, that you have, uh, continued, uh, to keep Zach's story living. And as you've shared many times, uh, Zach is living within you and everyone. Uh, every everyone through his through his story. So, uh, so thank you again. What's the best way for people to to be involved with Marshmallows to to get a copy of your book? Uh, what's the best way to them for them to reach out to you?
1: Um, they can just go directly to the Marshmallows Hope website, which is www.marshmallowshope.org. Um, and, or we're on Facebook. You can like us on Facebook. We're on Twitter, which is, um, hope for Z and, um, Instagram marshmallows, hope. So any of those means you can contact me, all the emails and everything that there's a way to directly, um, get in touch with me. And then my personal email is Laura at MarshmallowsHope.org as well.
0: Perfect. Well, Sorry. Laura, I, I know we're going to be doing some work up until the end of the month, um, up until the 30th, but looking forward uh, for you to share your story and share some of your resources and your vision of where where and how you want to be a light in others' darkness this coming uh, 30th. And for anybody who's listening who wants to either attend or support either Marshmallows, that's uh, MarshmallowsHope.org, um, or if you want to attend the event, um, you can go to shatter. OurSilence.org, and they are still. um, We still have a handful of tickets left uh, to for for the dinner, Um, and um, we have limited capacity. Some of it's because of the venue, some of it's because of of of, uh, social distancing. But um, there are some some seats still available, and so if people do want to attend, uh, please contact ShredOurSilence.org. So Laura, thank you again for everything that you're doing. Thank you for being a part of being in my life and being part of of our community, but our community as broad. So uh, thank you.
1: Thank you for having me on here, Kevin.
0: Um, as always, uh, if for some reason anything about today's story, Lori's, Laura's story, or what anything we talked about, if you need anything, um, feel free to uh, put that in the comments. Um, if it's even more, you can contact um, the Suicide Hotline, um, or you can... Um, Contact crisis text line at 741-741. Um, again, uh, please share this message, uh, this episode, with others because you never know um, who um, who may be uh, may need to hear this. Again, look forward to being with you uh, next week.